BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spurscast, episode 478. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of the Spurscast. Joining me this evening, which is Wednesday evening, is Project Spurs' own Colin Reed. He's here in studio with me. Colin, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? So I'm doing very well as well. Thank you. Uh, hopefully you had a, a great holiday season. Yeah. Uh, so I, I heard that you were in New York yes. at the same time that the Spurs were in New York. Uh, please tell me about that experience when you were there, when they were there as well. Yeah, it, it was a really cool game. I think that... Uh, you know, I think with this potentially being Manu's last season, every season is potentially Manu's last season. There's always uh, fans coming out to support him no matter what arena the Spurs are at. But I think that that being New York and it being over kind of like a holiday period, there was more than normal. And I would even say more than uh, anybody rooting for either team was just people cheering for Manu kind of anytime when he had the ball, when he was on the bench. Uh, and even went out kind of and greeted some of the fans, but it was it was a cool experience. They did the uh, the Ole Ole chant, right? Yeah, they did that throughout the whole game. How was that? Like to, just to being in a different arena. Obviously, the Spurs are yeah. a visiting team, and then you see Manu getting that embrace and support. Yeah, from the fans. It was it was really neat. You know, we actually just to make sure that we got there and we got everything settled. We got there way early, and honestly, the chant started like sixty minutes before the game, oh and they were going the whole game long. So just that that shot that he had that was like a you know, entry pass to the post and he, like all of that just kind of added to the mythos of what was going on that night. But it was, it was a really cool environment. Awesome, dude. Well, I mean, yeah, that's gotta be an incredible experience there. Um, pretty cool that you got to see that. Let's go ahead and get into the agenda for, for this show. Episode 478. Um, again, follow Colin on Twitter at Colin Reed uh, PS. So the, Colin and I will break down the Spurs last three games. We'll talk about more injuries on the horizon for the Spurs. Another more players are injured. Uh, and then lastly, and then we uh, we will talk about a contract situation for Brent Forbes. We'll go into previewing the Spurs' next uh, four games, and then we will uh, answer your Twitter questions using the hashtag SpursCast. So let's begin with the Spurs' last three games since the last time I uh, recorded with Ben. So, Colin, last week I had Ben on the SpursCast. He nailed it um, right on the right on the hammer. Um, he said the Spurs would go two and one. They would lose at Portland. He figured that would happen. I thought they'd they'd win that game in Portland, and I look good in my prediction. Yeah. Up until uh, you know, in the third quarter, they were when they were up by twelve, and then no, Portland came back. You know, without Damian Lillard, the Spurs were missing a bunch of guys too. Mm-hmm. You know, Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker. So um, they ended up falling in that one game against Portland. So, so last Friday, the Spurs beat the Suns in San Antonio by fourteen. 
then, uh, as we just mentioned, on Sunday, the Spurs lost a nail-biter against the Blazers where they couldn't quite execute in crunch time. You know, they, they had a, a, a quick lead and then they lost it right away. Um, some fans were a little... Uh, no, that was the wrong game. So, sorry. Um, that wasn't the Hacker the hack strategy, was it? Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't. No. That, was the, that was the game before. That uh, was in Philly. when they That was the Philly. Okay, that was the Philly game, yeah. yeah. When the fans were upset about that. Yeah. yeah I'm having a memory <laughs> relapse here on this part. Uh, anyway, so, so they lost to Portland. And then uh, the next night in, in Sacramento, they were actually down most of that game. They were down by 14 points, and the Spurs actually came back and won it there in the fourth quarter. So they beat the Kings by seven. Uh, so, Colin, just based on, on these three games, what are your overall impressions of the Spurs? Your, your just your general thoughts? Uh, kind of a lot of things to pull from it, but not a lot at the same time, just because of the way the rotations are. Uh, it's really hard to get anything that lasts, you know, more than just like in the, you know, it's hard to get something for, say, the playoffs um, from what's happening. Aldridge has been hitting really tough shots. The Spurs offense is so predictable with him because they don't have any other options, really, that are super reliable. So he's kind of having to bail them out a lot, and that's really predictable, but he's actually doing really well with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, the wheels kind of came off in Portland, but with how good of a job he's been doing the rest of the season, it's kind of hard to blame him. Like I said, it gets kind of predictable. Um, the defense has actually, you know, been doing surprisingly well all season. And even lately, that hasn't changed. Uh, one thing that I, I noticed at the end of the Kings game that kind of has also been a trend the whole season has been Kyle Anderson making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a big steal and a layup that kind of ended that game uh, effectively. And he's been playing really well all season with the increased uh, time. And I think there's some interesting small ball lineups with him and Kawhi. Uh, so there, there are some things like that to learn. But otherwise, it's like, you know, they're missing Kawhi. Tony missed the end of that uh, Sacramento game. Tony or, uh, Rudy Gay's been out. So it's hard to yeah, really I, get anything. I, I know, like, my mentions have been, you know, getting some fire from, the, uh, from some of the, from the um, not-so-happy Spurs fans with that loss against Portland. Uh, you know, some people are saying Aldridge isn't clutch. Well, I guess, like so, somebody said on Twitter, uh, you know, they need a better closer than him. I'm like, well, they do have a better closer, but that guy has like a broken shoulder <laughs> and a bad quad. So, you know, regardless, you know, the stats do kind of back up Aldridge where, um, you know, they're actually in the last two minutes of a game when the Spurs are either ahead or behind the season by three points. I put this on Twitter. They're actually eight and four. So, so, so you can't, yes, it was a bad, he missed that. Those, I think the biggest part for him was those free throws. Mm-hmm. You know, he went over to late in the game against Portland. Uh, that was a big play there where he missed those two free throws. And then of course, like you mentioned, the defense knows that they're going to go to him in the, you know, either in the post or in the spot up shot to end the game. And of course, you know, he, he got a contested look. It's not like he had the greatest of looks. So, you know, if, if you're the Spurs, you, you didn't sign Aldridge to be your closer, your guy who's, who's trying to make the, you know, the Kobe, you know, the, the Kawhi type shots and, you know, the Kyrie type shots. And so that's why you have, um, you have Kawhi there and that's, that's going to be his job, hopefully in the playoffs, if, if he's healthy and, uh, Aldridge is obviously doing a great job just anchoring this team right now and keeping them afloat. And he will most likely make the all-star team. It looks like, you know, probably won't start because the fans for some reason want the <laughs> Lakers rookies to start instead. But, uh, you know, no, uh, they, they want like uh, boogie and, and Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, which right, rightfully so, um, that could be, that could be valid. Uh, but Aldridge will get put in by the coaches. The coaches mm-hmm. see that he's carried this team to the third best seed in the, in the West. Uh, they're right on the tail of, of the Rockets. And so they could be by the all-star break second in, in the West, you know, if, if things go, go out of control for, for Houston here. Uh, let's get into our first topic, Colin, uh, which is the another injury for Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. like we mentioned. So now um, in that game against Phoenix, Kawhi suffered a left shoulder strain is what the Spurs are calling it. It doesn't seem to be a major injury because um, 
Uh, this is an injury that's similar where, where Patty Mills kind of had it as well back in that 2014 season. Uh, he played his playoff run with it, and they ended up winning the championship. And then, of course, he, 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 um, I think he got a surgery, and so he was out for a while there in, in the rehab process. Uh, there's also been a few other players in the NBA who have played with it before. Uh, we don't obviously know the severity, but I, I know Michael Wright of ESPN.com had reported that the Spurs you know, didn't think it's a major concern with Kawhi could still play with that injury. But he's injured again. I mean, the guy's trying to get his, his footing here, and he can't play in games. So... The Spurs have already announced that he's going to miss uh, Thursday's game against the Lakers. Uh, just your overall thoughts on this new uh, next Kawhi injury. Well, I was trying to go back and think of all of the injuries that Kawhi has had so far in his career, and I cannot remember uh, the shoulder bothering him to this point. So it's not a reoccurring injury. I think that's the very first thing that people need to look at with injuries because I think there's, and obviously when you look at it, it has been a lot lately. There's kind of this um, sense in the NBA to to label people as injury prone or not injury prone. And I think it's important to look at, is this like a reoccurring injury? Um, like, you know, maybe some players always injure their foot or whatever. This is not a reoccurring injury, but it is, you know, another injury in the string of injuries for him. I think, you know, Tony Parker when he was walking to the locker room, I think it was reported that he said something like, oh, it's just unlucky that Tony Parker got hurt. And I think that's probably the best way to describe this. You know, um, the Spurs honestly haven't played that great with him on the court because they're trying to figure out their rhythm with him out there. And they really need to do that before the playoffs if they have any hope at all of kind of facing their toughest competition. And this just kind of puts that timeline back uh, with, the fact that it sounds like he can come back and play maybe even as early as this weekend or next week, you know, that's not the end of the world, but it'll kind of hamper, it'll probably like keep his minutes restrictions even tighter than it were going to be otherwise. So it's, it's not like a huge deal in the moment, but like it kind of is hard for the team in terms of what they're trying to get in terms of chemistry and rhythm with the whole teams and certain lineups. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest key, and I've, I've been saying this on each episode is patience. You know, mm-hmm. these, this just it was really tough enough because he could have played in two you know in, in um two without having two days off and now it's going to be a situation where uh you know you, you think that that he could play already against the Lakers but they're already being so precautious uh, with with this injury so it's going to be you know we don't know how many more days off between games it's going to be um you know luckily for them there's still 50 percent of the season left so maybe you're aiming for the rodeo road trip to start to try to hopefully have him with a better footing um, maybe he's already learned how to play with that shoulder injury by that point so that way you can kind of have most of the team back together by that point uh that's something Amanu had mentioned when uh, at a re- in a recent game uh where they're kind of making that their goal to have everybody going so for now i mean it's going to be patience from the fans perspective in terms of you know seeing this team continue to struggle on offense because Kawhi will be probably be in and out of the lineup parker the same thing uh, like you mentioned, let's move on to Tony Parker. He also, like you mentioned, uh, suffered a, an injury against the Sacramento Kings the other day. Uh, he suffered a sprained right ankle. Now, this doesn't seem as serious because the Spurs are only listing listing him as doubtful against the Lakers Thursday. Um, so, just another, you know, just Tony was ready on the, the whole situation where he's he's not he's not allowed to play in back to backs. But now here comes a new ankle injury for him. Yeah, and that's. That's rough just because he actually was really starting to play well. And he is, you know, as kind of hard as this is to quantify, he does give like a calming presence to the offense. And uh, while the numbers show that their turnovers have been good, there are like stretches of games where they get really kind of bad about it. And those are usually the stretches where um, the other point guards are playing. Um, Of course, he's not completely impervious to turnovers. But another injury to Tony Parker is definitely um, rough for the team and rough, again, for that chemistry. 
Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, right when Kawhi and Tony were coming back, you had put on Twitter, I remember you, you're the one who said it, that, you know, these are two high-usage players, and, and that's true. And so that's what makes them the most difficult part. You know, it's not like these guys are the, are the eighth or ninth guy in the rotation. Mm-hmm. These guys are the ball handlers. These guys are running pick and roll. They're setting guys up. And that's very hard to do is incorporate, you know, have them in and out of the lineup and not have any kind of consistency. You know, it's almost like if Aldridge is, imagine if Aldridge is in that situation, that would be very tough for the Spurs to get some sort of offensive momentum. Luckily, he is healthy for them. Uh, and he's been that, that one stable um, rock for them. Our next topic, Colin, is uh, is uh, Brent Forbes. Since he did not get waived on January 7th, his deal of $1,312,611 is now guaranteed. So he's going to be on, on a guaranteed contract for the remaining of the season, getting that 15th spot from the Spurs. Uh, he's averaging 20 and a half minutes per game, uh, scoring seven points, shooting 39% above league average from three. Uh, one rebound, one assist, and uh, like I mentioned, 20 and a half minutes. Uh, Pops, depending on him very much this season, you know, especially with the injuries. Uh, he started a lot of games whenever Danny Green's been out of, out of the lineup. Uh, he takes care of the ball. You, you know, we mentioned turnovers. He's only, according to cleaningtheglass.com, he's only turning the ball over on 8.2% of his possessions, which is 82nd in the league. And something interesting is that he's not, even though he's undersized, he's not playing a point guard's role. He's playing the, the wing position. So he's playing like, you know, the two and three and having to guard some of those guys uh, defensively. Just kind of your takeaways of what you've seen from Forbes right now. Uh, obviously, he's a he's a pure scorer. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the biggest uh asset that he brings to the team is his ability to score and he kind of like some other uh players who i know we're going to talk about later kind of has a knack for showing up in games where he needs to um you know that his average i kind of as as nerdy as this is i would be interested to see a standard deviation of points to see if it like is if he's consistently hitting near the seven because it feels like there will be games where he hits way above that and then like games where he doesn't score at all kind of because he's always ready when the team calls on him to score, which is great. Um, you know, I, I am maybe concerned uh, if they have to play him this much in the playoffs, if teams would be able to exploit him on the other end, but he would still be able to provide the Spurs a scoring. And the more shooting you can put around players like Kawhi and Aldridge, the better because they have more space to operate and it kind of just makes their lives easier. Yeah, on, on the defensive end, he's... He's shown some flashes, like where he. I mean, the guy. You have to give him credit for being understated. He plays hard. Like you know, there's a game where Pop had him against Kyrie. You know, he has him against some of the some of the better scores in the league at times, and he has to guard those guys just because Pop needs him on the floor. There's been some games where they're having um they, they just have to have him on the floor because they just cannot score the ball. Like they, you know, they want to have Murray or, or Parker or somebody else or, or you know another wing, but they have to have Bryn because of his shooting, and that's something that that you can just tell that Pop needs this this element of his game. At different times, uh, he's done a pretty good job also with that pull-up uh, mid-range shot. You know, I like to see maybe his, his assist percentage go up a little bit, you know, become more of a playmaker. And he that will develop for him. But right now, you know, getting the minutes that he's getting, uh, he's putting on a really ca- good campaign for himself, you know, to get minutes when the whole team's healthy and also uh, heading into free agency next year where he can be a, free, a restricted free agent, which we will talk about that a little bit later. Um, We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? 
Well, Real Protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for tuning in to SpursCast, episode 478. I am joined by Colin Reed of Project Spurs. My name is Paul Garcia. Let's go ahead and call in and look at, go into our Spurs uh, Twitter questions. Uh, you know, we asked you, the, the fans, to please send us your questions using the hashtag SpursCast. So we got three of them here that we're going to go through. Um, the first one comes from at Grico Suave. They ask, will San Antonio make any moves to increase scoring? Tyreek Evans, maybe. So this this fan wants to know, you know, if, if you have any, if you think they're going to make any kind of trades, um, uh, this the, the, the Tyreek Evans is the player that, that they're throwing out there. Uh, let me just give you some, some financial and, and statistical information on, on Tyreek Evans. Um, he's making three point three million, so that is a movable contract for the Grizzlies. And you know, and if the Spurs wanted to facilitate a deal, they could you know get something done. Something with the package of like maybe like Kyle Anderson. Um, I mean, not Kyle Anderson, uh, Joffrey Laverne and like Bryn Forbes, because you know both players could be free agents this season. That that's manageable when you can get Tyreek. Uh, I think the reason why the fan wants uh, Tyreek for the Spurs is because of it, the stat line he puts off on the base stat line. You know, he's averaging 19.7 points, shooting 47% from the floor and 42% from three, uh, five rebounds and four, 4.7 assists. Uh, on the floor, the Grizzlies are a minus 1.3 points per 100 possessions. Off the floor, they are a minus 6.8 points per 100 possessions. Um, you know, one thing about him, though, is that he's a high usage player. As a wing, he's averaging 29.9 um, possessions or percentage of, of his team's possessions, which is in the 95th percentile among all wings in the NBA. Um, so, uh, Colin, what would you think about the Spurs maybe looking at trying to move, make a move for Ky- for Tyreek Evans? So with these trades, it this is kind of a boring answer, but... Um, I don't really see that as very likely or very likely that they make any sort of significant change to the rotation. And it might not even be on the Spurs side. First of all, they actually have a, I think a deeper and uh, more talented team than a lot of people thought going into the season, because even with all these injuries, they've been performing well. Aside from that though, you have to look at like what the other team needs. And you talked about Bryn and Joffrey, which, you know, this Memphis team might be going into a, Rebuild. Yeah, they're they're the they're right now they are twelve and twenty seven. They're okay. the last. They're last in the Western Conference. Right, right. So these expiring contracts are good for them, um, but you have to think that probably like a mid first round lottery pick is what they'd be looking for. So expiring contracts are good, but the Spurs can't give them exactly what they want, and that I think goes for a lot of trades because Woj reported I think last week that the Spurs when they heard that Kyrie was like they. Kyrie wanted to go to San Antonio. They made a big push for him, but they couldn't get it done because they just don't have the assets that some of these other teams do. Um, you know, in the trades, they would, of course, be a buyer because they are a championship contending team and they're always looking to add the right pieces. But kind of with the way that they construct 
their team while it works during the regular season. It also makes it hard to make trades like this because they kind of fit the puzzle together so tightly. And the assets that other teams would want, they really, really need to keep. So I, I see that's a hard trade to make. Yeah, and as far as like the transactional perspective, I agree with you. I think Memphis wouldn't just want somebody like Forbes and and, uh, and, and Laverne or somebody like that, or even like a Kyle Anderson or or a um, you know Brandon Parr, somebody like that, a rotation player at the at the end of the bench. Uh, they would probably also want to pick. Like you're right, and I don't think. You know, if it's only be a rental for half the season, because uh, you know, I don't think the Spurs will want to sacrifice the first round pick or even a second round pick um, it, for, for that perspective. And, and you know, we don't know what kind of Memphis is obviously giving uh, Tyreek a lot of minutes right now, and they're showcasing his, his potential because they want to try to see, you know, who, who, what can they get for him? And that's, you know, that's why obviously they're, they're tanking right now. They're they're the worst. Well, not just tanking; they're also injured, but uh, they're the worst team in the West. And so they're they're trying to see what is the most value we can get from him from their perspective and seeing. I don't think the Spurs are going to have that uh, the, the best package to throw at them for him then also from an on-court perspective you know you and I talked about how the Spurs are already having trouble um, adding two high usage players in Parker and Leonard and you can just tell what Kawhi's there they look like two totally different teams because you know they kind of let him out the ball and try to run pick and roll and do post-ups and and it, it's work because he's an efficient scorer but the whole team offensively you know their assist numbers just go down the drain in those kind of games and obviously it's a small sample size uh, but you know, adding another guy like that with Tyreek would be a problem. Um, off, even though he is shooting forty-two percent from three, the last time he did play over seventy games uh, in the season was the fourteen-fifteen season, and, and he only shot thirty-one percent from three. Now he doesn't actually take a lot of threes, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass. His uh, frequency of attempts is thirty-two percent of his shots are from three. That ranks the twenty-first percentile among all wings. Um, and his uh, and uh, so so even though. You know, in Memphis, he's getting these really nice numbers. You know, that's because he's one of the – he's like basically their only playmaker along with Marcus Saul. If he comes to San Antonio, he's going to be the second, third, fourth option. And that that's becomes where can he hit a spot-up three-pointer. And that, that's where it gets a little bit um, more inconsistent in terms of would the Spurs be willing to sacrifice that. And then again, would Memphis want to make that deal? So I don't think they're going to do it. I think their best thing is – I don't think they're going to pick up anyone in the trade block. I think their best thing is can we get our guys healthy, San Antonio. And that's, that's, their, that's their biggest problem right now is, is health more than anything. Uh, let's go into our second Twitter question. It comes from at just rocking man. They ask, do you think Forbes can replace green at shooting guard in the future? I feel like Forbes has great potential. How good will Forbes be? Okay. That's the first part of the question. So let's just read some, uh, let's go through some financial information. So Danny green has a player option coming up this summer for 10 million. So he can choose to, uh, to, to, to stay, to exercise that option and just make 10 million next year. And write, play another season with the Spurs, or he can test the, the free agent market and become an unrestricted free agent. Bryn Forbes himself is a free agent. He, he, the Spurs have the chance to make him a qualify—I mean, a restricted free agent with a one point seven million dollar qualifying offer. So, what do you think about that situation? Let's just say, well, first of all, let me ask you this question: Do you think uh, he, he would ever take the starting lineup from, from Green if Green opts in? Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, so, okay, I, I didn't think so either. You know, I don't think Pop's going to move a, a, a guy who's undersized on defense, and even though he's a good shooter. For, for Danny Green, who's an all-level NBA uh, second-team all-NBA defender. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the second question, though, let's just say Green were to test the market. Do you think there's a high, better chance that, that Forbes could come back as the start, starting shooting guard? Even that is kind of tough. Uh, you know, I was at Summer League, so I got to see Bryn's amazing performance. I believe it's Spurs in the Six on Twitter that has the hashtag Summer of Bryn. Uh, you know, I saw, and when I mentioned Bryn's defense earlier, I was specifically thinking of compared to Danny Green. Uh, and that is, you know, Danny Green just has kind of the physical and um, the savvy from being a veteran in the league so long that his defensive tools, 
you know, and it kind of goes overlooked sometimes. It would be really hard to replace that from any shooting guard that will be available over the summer, much less Bryn Forbes, who who does, you know, the big hustle type defender in the same vein almost as Patty, where maybe like the the instincts and like the physical tools aren't always there, but they hustle and that like gets them a lot of good defensive plays. But um, I do think that the Spurs with, you know, because they, they signed Aldridge to this extension. So unless something crazy happens, he'll be on the team next season. They're not going to trade him this summer. Um, Kawhi will be definitely on the team next summer. So those are like the two big scoring options. And I would imagine that they would want like a really, really solid defender like Danny at shooting guard if they can find one if Danny leaves. Uh, the kind of 3 and D archetype is what they'd really be looking for. And if Danny walks, I wouldn't even be surprised if they can't sign another big name, if they actually make a trade for that type of player, just because uh, how successful that has been for them as a formula. If they lose that, I actually think that would be a huge hit to their rotation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Even if... Um... You know, green were to leave. I mm-hmm. think that they would they would definitely explore the market to see how how can they get a player, not not obviously as probably defensively as good as Danny, but try to get you know as close as possible rather than a guy like Forbes. Um, and even the Forbes question is is kind of unsolved because he's a free agent. You know, you don't know if if, if he's rest- if they even make him restricted free agent, he can sign that offer sheet and, he, and the Spurs only have like two or three days, and he puts them on pressure to either accept it or or um uh, or release the cap hold. And let's just say Danny was flirting with the, the idea of leaving. Well, I don't think they would they would make a rush judgment to keep Forbes that fast. I think they want to have their, their leave all their doors open. So, either way, I don't think uh, um, Forbes would become the, the starting shooting guard unless again, like, you, know, you know, it was some sort of like right now with, with there's some injury situation like you're seeing. And you know, he's been okay as a starting shooting guard. I'm going to read uh, read a lineup a little bit later uh, with him as the starter as with, with some of those starter players. Should I say? Uh, let's the second part of this question from this from this uh, Twitter follower. They ask. Um, Oh, also, I feel like Davis Bertans could be a starter. I feel like his game is only getting better in the future. What are your thoughts? Um, obviously, that game against Sacramento was a huge game for him. He did amazingly. Like I said, he he's kind of like Bryn in the fact that like his big nights kind of always seem to be when the Spurs need him, which is a very like professional thing uh, to be able to be ready to go when someone calls your number, um, which makes me actually think, because, you know, there's 29 teams in the league, and they're scouting internationally, and they're scouting in college, but they're also scouting in the NBA. Uh, And it just takes one team to be able to see his shooting ability and to be able to see his, like, readiness whenever his number is called to make a big offer that the Spurs can't match, especially going into this summer where, um, like, the Spurs will test the markets to see if there are any big names. And we saw when the Aldridge, or with the summer where Aldridge came, like what you're saying with Forbes, like if they have thoughts like that, they would like let some of these prospects leave. Like they traded Splitter way before they knew that Aldridge was coming. So um, I think that whenever like Bertans is on the market, like he might get a big offer. If he stays with the Spurs, I do think that he has potential to become a starter, but I do think it would be several seasons down the road. Um, but I do think he has potential to be like a really solid player, especially uh, in those small lineups where he can play the four, but he can provide a lot of outside shooting. Um, that is where the league is headed. The Spurs have pushed in that direction more this year than ever before, and they kind of need players who can play that way, and he's one of them. So if he stays, I think it'll eventually get that way. I just think that he might not be on the Spurs for that long just because I think that his market value will be higher than some Spurs fans expect it to be. 
Yeah, and I, you know, one thing that looks good for him is that Pop is definitely changing his. You know, he, he Pop's adjusting to twenty to the twenty seventeen version of basketball, where even though yes, he starts games with Pau Gasol and Marcus Aldridge, his first reaction is as soon as he makes a, a big man sub lineup is to go small with either Rudy Gay, Kyle Anderson, or Davis Bertans. So, so that's working in the favor of Bertans, where you know that, that Aldridge will be the Spurs' front court cornerstone these next few years, and um, Pop's actually looking at, at becoming um, having more of a of a modern, should I say, small ball lineup. With him, even though you know he is six ten, I think two of the things that he needs to improve on, should he even stay with the Spurs, like you mentioned, is uh, his playmaking ability. You know, I, I wrote a piece about that after that, that Sacramento game where he's getting a little bit better when he gets a pick and pop or pick and roll, and they run him off the three point line where he's getting into the the, the middle of the, of the paint and he's kind of scouting the area and figuring out which where's my best passing option. He's throwing some really nice bounce passes on the break, uh, and then also defensively. Is he going to be a guy who, who the Spurs can anchor, you know, pretty good defense around in the, in the front court? Um, you know, even though uh, Powell and Lamarcus, you know, Powell's definitely older, he still helps the Spurs defensively. Right now, you wrote a piece about him how he's really stabilizing the the, the protection at, at the rim and not getting in foul trouble because of it. And that's something where you're not expecting a Bertans to be a rim protector like that, but you want him to be a really good help defender, a guy who gets his hand on loose balls, a guy who kind of help has that help help blocking scheme while Aldridge can kind of anchor the, the floor. So if he makes that that kind of growth in those two departments, and obviously he's, he's a really good shooter, uh, I think he would definitely have a chance at, at being a starter. He's still pretty young, so he has a lot more upside than I'd say somebody like Bryn Forbes in, in terms of um, you know what he can become. So I think, yeah, in the future, that's definitely a possibility uh, for Davis Bertans. One thing though, like like you had mentioned, I, I did I did uh, want to read some of the some of the financial information for Bertans. Uh, I believe he is a restricted free agent. They can't make him a restricted free agent this season, so that's something important to watch. Let's see here. Yeah, so so they can make Bertans a restricted free agent this summer. So there's actually no guarantee, like like Colin mentioned, that he even comes back to San Antonio. I think that maybe he is one player that they definitely want to um, send a qualifying offer to. In the in the event that. That he does try to come back. Let me see here. Just get this information. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Bertans, just kind of like a like a Brent Forbes. He has a one point seven million dollar qualifying offer. So, the, so yes, you're right, Colin. There is actually no guarantee that he actually comes back to San Antonio next year. It kind of all wonders about you know how, how does this free agency shake out. Moving to our third Twitter question, it comes from at Greco Suave. They ask, do you have any faith that the Spurs will achieve a fifty five win season, given all the injuries? lack of scoring, spotty defense, turnovers, and pop resting people all the time. Uh, so, Colin, right now, as of 42 games, the Spurs are 28-14. and 14. That puts them on pace to win 55 games. Um, some of those, some of that, that information is accurate. You know, they're not a very good offense, and that's because, you know, their situation, they're missing their best player, Kawhi Leonard. They haven't had no consistency. So, yeah, they're, they're a league average offense. Um, defensively, though, they actually are the second best defense in the league statistically. And then turnovers, they actually take care of the ball pretty well. They're, they're only averaging 13.9 turnovers, which is eighth in the league. Uh, yes, and then, of course, Pop does do the resting thing. So just over under, do you think the Spurs are going to win 55 games this year? It's going to be tight because they're just on pace for it right now. I think between now and uh, Rodeo Road Trip, they're going to have like kind of a bad stretch. And then after that, when maybe people are in the lineup, they're going to have like probably their best stretch of the season. I'll go slightly under, like the 54 range. Um, but I think that maybe this next stretch between now and the Rodeo Road Trip is going to maybe look rougher than some fans expect it to. Uh, I'm going to do that as well. I'm going to go somewhere like the 53 to 54 range. That's kind of what I was thinking. A slight under as well, just because, you know, you don't know if injuries are going to continue popping up. 
Um, they haven't. They've they've played some tough teams, but you know they still haven't seen. You know they still have to see Golden State three more times. They still have to see Houston three more times, uh, Minnesota two more times. Uh, they haven't even seen the Cavs yet. Those two times they're going to face Cleveland. So so there's still some elite teams they haven't even played yet. Uh, luckily for them, though, the Spurs, if they do go the over, it's because a lot of the, the league is just not very good, and they're doing a very good job against most of the league in general. Um, like we're going to look at in their next stretch of games here. So Colin and I are both taking the under in that question if they're going to win 55 games. Uh, right now, just because of their situation with bringing players back cautiously, uh, having a bunch of injuries, I would take the under in that situation. Okay, Colin, let's go ahead and preview the Spurs' upcoming games uh, before I record the Spurs cast next week. Um, so they'll have played four games by that time. Uh, right now, the Spurs, as I mentioned, are 28-14. and 14. In their last 10 games, they're 6-4. They're and four. Offensively in their last 10 games, they're scoring 106.6 points per 100 possessions and holding teams to 102.9 points per 100 possessions. Their first game in the stretch is um, at the Lakers Thursday. Uh, the Lakers are 13-27, and 27th, uh, 27, 14th in the Western Conference. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games uh, with a net rating of minus 8.5. Uh, their, their top scorers right now are Brandon Egram, 16.4 points. Uh, uh, Julius Randle, 16 points. Kyle Kuzma, 14.5 points. Jordan Clarkson, 14 points. And Contavos Cobble Pope, 11 points. Uh, again, this is um, as of the last 10 games. Lonzo Ball has come back from injury, and he's, he's averaging 9.8 points, uh, 8.3 assists, and 8.3 rebounds in his, in his last four games that he's played in. Uh, who do you have Thursday in Los Angeles? Tony Parker um, is, is a, a doubtful. Danny Green is qu- not Danny Green. Um, somebody else is questionable. Uh, I forgot who that player was. I think it might be Green, actually. Yeah, I, I think, think it's Danny Green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Danny Green's questionable, and then Kawhi Leonard and Rudy Gay are good. Rudy Gay are both out. So who do you have that game Thursday? It sounds kind of like a trap game, like a like a team that hasn't been playing great lately, but the Spurs are kind of going into it a little bit beat up. But I just think that you know, even even if all four of those players missed. Uh, I still think the Spurs win. Okay. So you're taking San Antonio now? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got one of those Spurs. I'm also taking the Spurs in this one. I just feel like, you know, whenever I see bad bad defenses, they're 22nd in the last 10. I just don't trust that against the Spurs' offense, despite the Spurs being a league average offense. Um, okay. So Colin and I both have the Spurs against the Lakers. Then on Saturday, the Spurs come home for a game against the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are 21-19 and this year, 7th uh, in the Western Conference. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, offensively, they're scoring 109.4 points per 100 possessions, which is 8th, and defensively holding teams to 105.1 points per 100 possessions, which is also 8th in the last 10. Uh, leading scorers during the stretch are uh, Jamal Murray, 20 points, uh, Gary Harris, 18 points, Trey Lyles, uh, 18 points, Nikola Jokic, 17 points, Will Barton, 12 points, and, and uh, Wilson Chandler, 10 points. Um, who do you have in this one, Colin, uh, between the Spurs and Nuggets Saturday in San Antonio? So I went back and forth on this one a lot. Uh, partially, actually, a little bit ironically, because I think this might be when Kawhi comes back and their offense kind of seems to to get kind of rough just trying to incorporate him in. Uh, the Nuggets have been a really inconsistent team. They beat the Warriors near the end of the year last year. They've had some bad games. I think Jokic started the month not shooting particularly great, but he's been doing good the past couple of games. So it's really hard to chart him out. The Spurs have been really good at home. Um, but I think kind of with all of the... Uh, circumstances and kind of with the Nuggets having some players step up in a big way recently, I'm actually going to give the win, I think, to the Nuggets. Okay. I actually agree with you as well. And uh, for a few reasons here. So you're you're saying a loss for the Spurs in that one. Uh, I agreed. uh, I was going back and forth as well. You know, statistically, I want to pick the Nuggets. They look, all these stats that I read in the last 10 games look really good for them, even though they're missing Paul Millsap. 
Uh, and then it, what, 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 what I go back on, though, why, why I fought that was because of uh, the Spurs' home record. They've just played so well at home, you know, regardless of who's there. You know, they beat the Celtics at home, beat the Raptors at home. They have some pretty good wins in, in the AT&T Center. Uh, I still took the Nuggets just because, you're right, I think Kawhi might come back that, that game. Uh, and even if he doesn't, uh, I feel like they're going to be a team that's going to that's going to throw a lot of double teams at Aldridge. It's going to be who's going to step up and beat and, and who's going to beat Denver that night. And you know if it's going to be Manu, if it's going to be Patty Mills, Davis Bertans. And so because you don't have anybody that you're going to consistently rely on outside of Aldridge, I, I feel like I'm going to give this one to Denver. And also, honestly, just from a personal opinion, it's because I've been picking the last few weeks and I keep picking sweet for the Spurs in, the, in these little predictions and I keep getting them wrong. <laughs> so I'm, I have to throw a loss in there at least once. So I'm, I'm going to say Denver's a loss just because I've also looked, you know, I haven't been, been doing so well myself in these predictions. Um, then Monday, the Spurs play at Atlanta against the Hawks. The Hawks are 10-30 and 30 on the season, 15th in the Eastern Conference, the worst team. 3-7 uh, and seven, their last 10 um, offensively, scoring 105.4 points per 100 possessions, which is 19th defensively. Holding teams to 109.3 points per 100 possessions, which is 17th uh, during those last 10 games. Leading scorers during the stretch, Dennis Schroeder, uh, 20 points. Ersan Ilyasova, 14 points. Marco Bellinelli, 13 points. Tarian Prince, 13 points. Kent, Kent Bazemore, 12 points. And uh, Jason, uh, John Collins or Jason Collins? I always get that one confused. John Collins. John, mm-hmm. John Collins, uh, the rookies, 10 points. Uh, who do you have Monday in Atlanta? I have the Spurs. I don't really have <laughs> too much to add to this one. Um, I think that it's going to be, it might kind of be an ugly game like the one against the Kings, but I, I just think that the Spurs just are going to out-talent them even if they have, you know, several key players missing. Yeah, this could be this could be one where I could see some of the older players, you know, maybe like Park or somebody, uh, if he has played by then, or Kawhi for sure, uh, probably probably missing this game. But I, yeah, I, I have San Antonio. The, the Hawks, they'll, they'll, they'll challenge you for a little bit. You know they play a good a good game plan under Bud, but they're just too young, and you know, and so they're going to make those mistakes. And so I, I would have San Antonio in that one. Uh, then next Wednesday, Colin, the Spurs go to Brooklyn to play the Nets. Uh, the Nets are fifteen and twenty-five on the year, twelfth in the Eastern Conference, four and six in their last ten games, offensively scoring one hundred three point three points per one hundred possessions, and defensively holding teams to one hundred one point eight points per one hundred possessions. Those are twenty-fifth offensively and third defensively in the last ten games. Um, leading scorers during the stretch are Spencer Dinwiddie, 17 points. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, 15 points. Karis LeVert, 15 points. Alan Crabb, 11 points. And then by this time, D'Angelo Russell might be making his return from injury. So th- there's a chance they could have uh, D'Lo back. Uh, who do you have that night next Wednesday? So this might be a little bit surprising, but I've gone back and forth on this one a lot, actually. I think that the Nets are a... From what I've seen, they you know they have a lot of young players, and with that comes inconsistency. With, with that comes turnovers, and kind of everything that goes with young players. You know, some days everything's clicking and it's amazing, and then other days it's uh, a little bit rougher. Actually, the defense being so good with the amount of young players they have is really surprising. Uh, but they are, I think, a better team than a lot of people think, just because of kind of how bad they've been the past couple years. Um, obviously, still a lottery team. Obviously, still several years away from competing I think for a playoff type spot but um, I've gone kind of back and forth like I said I, I think I'm just going to give it uh, to the Spurs I do think that Kawhi will have been back uh, at least one game maybe two by this point um, I think that at this point we might be hearing I can't remember the exact timetable we might be hearing about like Rudy Gay is this close to returning X games away um, and so at that point the Spurs might just have one player missing and I think that it will just I, I honestly think they just have the edge, but I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think it is. 
Okay, I, I agree with you too. I have uh, I have the Spurs in this one. Um, you know, the fact that Russell might be coming back, I think, throws off the Nets' chances a little bit, just because you know it's kind of like the Kawhi situation. When you're incorporating somebody with a, such a high usage, it's more difficult to to win to win against the opponent on that particular evening. So I, I would give the Spurs the edge in that one. So you and I are both predicting the Spurs go three and one. We think that they're going to lose uh, Saturday in, at home against the Nuggets. Uh, so so we'll see. Obviously, by by next week, uh, how our predictions fare. Uh, thank you, Colin, for coming on SpursCast episode uh, 478. Please make sure you follow Colin on Twitter, at ColinReadPS. Uh, just a, a few quick reminders. Um, if, you're on, if you're on Twitter, please uh, send us your, your, your Spurs Twitter questions to hashtag SpursCast. Uh, follow us at Project Spurs, at ATLeague underscore NBA, at the SpursCast, and at Project Spurs Network. If you're online, please visit ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And again, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, For Colin Reed, I am Paul Garcia. Have a great day. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.